Thanks again for joining us on the Family CTO Podcast, where we cover the practical, solution-minded, and sometimes even fun gadgets that you need to outfit your digital household. I'm your host, Scott Tharler. In this episode, we offer the fourth in our series of five gift guides, this time focusing on home office, automation, and security. Befitting that ever-important tech category, we kick off today's show talking with John Wu, the CEO of Griffin Online Safety, a company that makes an advanced, intelligent, protective, and dare we say it? Yes, we do. Sexy internet router. John, thanks for joining us today to talk about the wonderful world of Wi-Fi. Let's actually start with a brief history of your background. Yeah, sure. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. My background has been really mostly in tech. I started uh, working on wireless, actually, at Motorola. We launched a couple of cell phones and then jumped to a company called Novatel Wireless, where we developed the MiFi mobile hotspot. And really just leveraging the mobile network, but then using the, the local area with, with the Wi-Fi technology to make it easy for you to connect anywhere. So you have this portable Wi-Fi router that you can take with you on your business travel or on your vacations, and you can use it anywhere. One of our thinking behind that was that wouldn't it be nice to be able to go to the beach and to be able to surf on the internet? And Part of that, seeing how now that internet is accessible everywhere, what kind of led me to to Griffin was that uh, something happened to to one of my daughters uh, a few years ago when she was um, doing a search on the internet and a bunch of inappropriate stuff came up. So we came up with the idea of Griffin to, to be able to have an easy solution for parents to be able to control the internet access in the home. That MiFi was such a game changer because... It changed a couple of things. It was practical in the sense that everybody needs internet everywhere. But then I think it also changed the mindset. Like kids growing up today just expect I need to have internet wherever I am because I need Alexa wherever I am. And I need streaming and TikTok and everything that I need is wireless. So I just want to jump back to that for a minute because give us a little context about MiFi because that was back when... Mm-hmm. Public hotspots were popular, but obviously not safe, right? Yeah, I mean, we um, when we developed the MiFi at the time, even the public hotspots wasn't readily available everywhere, not like now. And it was a very novel concept to be able to carry the internet uh, access in your pocket, basically, and, and carry it to, to wherever you go, so you don't have to worry about trying to find internet. And that did really well. I remember one of the defining events for us that that led to the popularity of the MiFi was that uh, a lot of the reporters were carrying it because they had to do real-time reporting. And there were so many reporters at one of the Apple conferences that Steve Jobs was at. He was launching, I think, FaceTime at the time. And it disrupted the, the whole conference because he couldn't do one of his demos. So he had to ask people to turn off their MiFis. He, he made a comment saying that the reason that the demo didn't work was there were hundreds of these MiFi networks in the audience. And uh, that was when we knew that we hit on something that was uh, needed in, in the market. That's one way to get famous in the, the world of tech <laughs> very yep, quickly. Yep. So I see in the background a couple of the towers and mm-hmm. they're so striking. I want to talk about the design. I, I can't think of another product that looks like this. It's just, it's clean. It's a white tower that's twisted in a way so that mm-hmm. it doesn't look 
boxy or rectangular or like the typical flat. When I say router, you picture mm -hmm. a flat horizontal box with various antennae poking out in all directions. So what was the thought? How did this come together? Uh, yeah, that actually was an inspiration from one of my travels. Actually, the year before we came out with the Griffin, I took my family to Europe. And one of the things for, during the Renaissance, they had started to look at how the ancient Romans created the statues and they were very flowy and lifelike. And, and the reason was like the statue of David. He's twisted. He's ready for action. And part of that reason for the tower is not having a bunch of antennas is actually helpful because the antennas are actually built inside the unit. And one of the things about having multiple antennas is you gotta have all the antennas work together. And part of working together is to make sure that the antennas are positioned in the right position with respect to each other. I think people think of antennas like they think of the TV antennas a long time ago that we have and these rabbit ears that you can move around and get a better TV signal. Yeah. And it's not the same for Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi signals uh, operate at much higher frequency and, and uh, you have four different antennas or in some cases and, and it doesn't help to move them around. You don't even know what you're getting. So having a fixed antenna that's optimized for the best RF performance is a better option, at least in our thinking. I think as a consumer, I look at it and I think the more antennas, the better. And then I do start to think, oh, maybe the more I fiddle around with it, the better things will get instead of what's the ideal configuration. Well, the, the other thinking behind having a nice design is that it's something that you can put out in the open. And uh, instead of putting it in a corner of your room or behind your TV, uh, which is probably the worst place to put your uh, Wi-Fi router because your TV acts as a big shield. I'm sad to report that mine is actually in a closet, but that's where the, <laughs> the thing comes into. That's where my modem has to be. So I feel guilty, but I need to confess yeah. that. The mesh, you can actually put another unit somewhere else. And because that other unit doesn't need uh, an actual wired cable back. So you can put that anywhere you have a power plug. Sounds good. So we've talked about how it looks different. What's different under the hood in terms of the, the simple mechanics? Like what makes this different from other routers? Yeah, that's a good question. Our focus has always been, uh, we want to build a really good performance uh, Wi-Fi router so that you have the best throughput and, and best coverage inside the home. But I think what really makes us different is our focus is really to, to make a comprehensive solution to protect your home. Protection meaning the most easy to use parental controls, the best protection as far as uh, protecting against intrusions and hacking and uh, malware on your network. So it's your first line of defense for all the traffic that comes in and outside your home. And that's a very important piece of equipment inside your home because all your connected devices are connected through that device. And we act as a filter, basically, for, for malware and, and inappropriate content that's coming inside the home. Some homes have this whole house uh, water filters that filter out the, the bad stuff that comes in your home. Yeah. Now, this is the same thing, except for the internet traffic that comes inside your home. Some people would argue that the, the internet is actually more important to us than water. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, that's... These days. So uh, one of the things I want to do is I want to take away any intimidation factor. So mm -hmm. your website, Griffin Connect, that's G-R-Y-P-H-O-N, Griffin Connect, characterizes this device as a mesh Wi-Fi security router and parental control system. Wow. 
That's a lot of stuff. So let's explore them, starting with the, the mesh Wi-Fi part. I think mm -hmm. you touched on this before, that it's essentially as a, a router that's wireless, you can add other nodes. How do people figure out how much coverage they need? The mesh Wi-Fi has been around. It's just now being utilized for creating a bigger network inside your home. So unlike a repeater that you use before, you, you add a little repeater and it propagates the Wi-Fi, the, the mesh network essentially creates a single big Wi-Fi network inside your home. And the, the Wi-Fi within the repeater network basically will talk to each other to optimize the coverage for your home. Each Griffin, the towers cover about, if it's a fairly open environment, it covers about 3,000 square foot for, for each one. But typically people get a couple of them because they also want to cover the backyard and spaces outside the home as well. And also depends on where you put the griffin. If you put it more central, it, it can cover more of the home. But if you have it in the corner of the house, you might not reach the other opposite corner of the house. This is another tricky part with not even user error, but there are just so many different configurations. That's why I guess it helps to have sort of the, the hardware and software pretty solid so that then mm -hmm. you can say, here's what you need to do and here's how to optimize it but then you just don't know. If right. this wall is concrete over here and it's a, a, a spread out ranch versus a three-story home, so it seems like there are a lot of different ways that this, this can go. Yeah, well, what we've done actually is we have an auto-configure mode where if you're adding a new Griffin in your home as part of the mesh network, it will try to see what's the best signal. So if it's another node somewhere else that gets you a better signal, it will connect to that one first instead of to the main unit. So that helps in some of the setup cases. But you know, that's also another benefit of having a mesh. It automatically configures to the best signal that it connects back to try to find the internet connection. It also depends on the shape of your home. Sometimes if you have a really long home, you, you can do it in a daisy chain fashion where you're sending signal to the griffin in the middle and then that middle griffin sends a signal to the far end one. But yeah, there's a lot of different configurations for the home that's makes it a little bit challenging. But having an auto configure mode does does help quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. So let's get into the security part. What are some of the security features that are going to make it really beneficial for folks so that they don't have to worry? Because it's not just assumed. I think it's when people think yeah. security and routers, they think, I hope nobody hacks in. But security is more complicated than that. Yeah, I, I think especially now we're doing a lot more stuff on the internet at home. Everybody's working from home, using the internet, to doing distance learning from home. And uh, what we've seen actually is a threefold increase in the number of internet uh, hacking that's going on just across our network, attempted hacking. And, and I think in the industry too, there's been quite a bit more because people are now working at home more. I don't know if you, you saw, there's a lot of government agencies that were hacked recently. And that was because there was a security breach in the supply chain. One of the software that people use for monitoring networks got hacked. And when you update it, the, the malware inserts itself in the update itself. So it just goes to show you, there's, it is going on, whether you see it or not. And especially for home networks, we have so many new devices now in our homes that are connected and a lot of them are not computing devices so these are connected thermostats these are connected pool pool monitors connected door locks my washing machines the laundry yeah your washing machine done like everything is connected everything is connected but the challenging thing is that a lot of these things that are connected 
you don't see how they're operating. At least on my computer, if I'm hacked, sometimes you can see that your computer is slowing down and you can't do certain things. That gives you some warning that your computer might be hacked. But if your washing machine is hacked, how do you know that your washing machine is hacked? It's still washing your clothes, but maybe in its off time, it's, it's hacking another network or it's trying to hack your network. Yeah. You don't it's know what like it's you doing. Open up, you don't open up the laundry machine, you see a bunch of ones and zeros instead of your clothing. You have no idea. Exactly. It could be doing a part-time job hacking your own network (laughs) at night or something. So what Griffin is doing is on on your network is giving you a detection system for all your connected devices. So anything that's connected to Griffin is monitored. We'll alert you if your laundry machine gets hacked. So for example, if it gets hacked, we monitor it to make sure that it's behaving normally like it does. Usually when the device gets hacked, it will start doing different things on your network. And that will be detected as an anomaly on your network. And we let you quarantine your laundry machine (laughs) when that happens. Put it in a penalty box so that it's not communicating uh, on the network and and hacking your network. And that's one of the things, right? So the earlier you can detect that something is hacked, the, 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 the more you can contain that damage on your network, on your intrusion, on your privacy, making sure that you're laundry machine isn't trying to hack into your bank kind of thing. So. Or your baby monitor or your, or your baby monitor, monitor or your anything. Yeah. And as we move into more, having more of our devices connected, the more value that's creating for the hackers to hack into. So for example, one of the hacks is people can hack into your connected thermostat and run both your air conditioning and your cooling system at the same time until you pay them a ransom. So running up your electricity bill <laughs> until you pay them. I'm always yelling at the kids to close the fridge, close the door. And so wasting energy is, I wouldn't want to pay a ransom, but that would catch my attention. Yeah. The the more your devices are connected, it's just creating a bigger target. So let's talk about the parental control system because you guys were nice enough. Your team sent us a tower to test out. And one of the first things I noticed after walking through the installation was the great granular level of control. So as you're saying, as various phones or tablets or computers sign on to the network, it lets the administrator, which is in this case me, I actually get to assign that device to a particular person so I can see and regulate exactly whose device is on the network whenever I want. So I can see this is my daughter's phone, this is my wife's laptop, this is my son's tablet, and that just seemed like a a big one for me. Yeah, parental control is one of the main things why we started the company is to make parental control easier for good or bad. Our kids grew up being on the internet. They grew up with all these devices. So they are a lot more tech savvy than a lot of us uh, parents. And uh, we view the Griffin as as somewhat of an equalizer to be able to make it easier for parents to control all these devices so that they can manage and monitor these connected devices. It used to be when I was growing up, we only had one computer. So you could actually monitor what the kids are doing by just having it in an open space. But now my daughter has her uh, iPad in her room. So we don't know what they're you know, doing. So it, it makes it a lot harder for parents. And having Griffin basically monitor on the network level, you don't need to be in the same room. You can monitor it on the Griffin app. And it still helps to have the conversations about, I'm expecting you to have half an hour of screen time, do your chores, come to the dinner table, all that. But mm-hmm. it's nice to know because... The idea behind the family CTO is that it could be your kid. It could Mm -hmm. be your wife, your parent. It could be you. But this, like you said, it levels the playing field so that 
really everybody just knows this is what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like your concept of the, the family CTO, because if you think about a CTO for a company, it manages all the tech. And, and if you look at our families today, we were essentially running an enterprise with all these different connected devices. In some cases, a bigger enterprise than what we were used to back 20 years ago, where there's only a handful of connected devices in a company. Now we have dozens of connected devices in our home and all these other tech that we need to run our house. So it is essentially a CTO job. And, and you're right, it, it doesn't eliminate the conversation that we need to have in, in our home. When, when we set a bedtime, it's good to talk to your kids about what the expectations are in terms of just internet habits and when the internet gets shut off and when we expect them to get off the internet, and how much time they spend. So that once you have that conversation, then you have something to help enforce those rules. And we found that to be you know, helpful. Instead of just setting up Griffin and not talking to your kids about it and finding their internet getting shut off at certain times, it's good to have that conversation first before you set those rules in place on, on the Griffin. I think from a parental sense, a big part of what makes the system so cool is the app. And I think it's great that I can run a speed test on the network to see how fast the network is and, and how upload and download speeds are, even if I'm remote, even if I'm not actually on the network. And of course, it's good that the app offers security warnings, but probably my favorite feature is that I can prioritize Wi-Fi going to particular devices. So can you tell us more about how that works? Yeah, so the priority, basically, you can designate a device to have priority on the network. As, as all of us are dealing with right now, we have so many different connected devices on the network. And if you need to be on a call or if you need to do something that's important, you, you want to make sure that device has priority access on the network. And that's what it does. So basically, it, it allows that device's traffic to go first versus all the other devices on the network. Because I think that's a common thing now. You think, <laughs> okay, this is an important call. I better get the kids streaming a movie. And then it's that sacrifice. Like, well, I might have quiet, but I'm going to have a choppy call and have to sacrifice. Or if something's going to be choppy, I think hopefully the kids can be understanding about that watching over the moon isn't going to be as smooth as it was the last 10 times they watched it. Exactly, yeah. It's a nice feature to have. I don't think we mentioned this when we first started talking. So can you give us an idea of when the tower came out, of what the timing was it came out? Because it was a few years ago. Yeah, the tower came out in uh, mid-2018. Okay. That's when we launched the product. The Guardian came out earlier this year. Okay, so, wow. So that's still pretty new. Yeah. So the idea behind the two is the software is exactly the same across the two products. Uh, same exact software, different hardware. The tower gives you the most power and performance as far as the Wi-Fi performance. Yeah. And the Guardian is a little bit less. It's a dual band instead of tri-band, so lower throughput, a little bit lower power. But they do play with each other, so you can actually create a mesh network with the tower and a couple of Guardians. So it just really depends on what your house needs are and also what your internet speed that your service provider is providing. You don't need a gigabit router if your service provider only provides you 200 megabits, right? So you can you don't need to spend that additional expense on a high-powered Wi-Fi if you can't really get that on your internet service provider. It's sort of like how I look at people who own like Lamborghinis and drive in New York City. So I have to say, I'm impressed by Griffin on a few levels, which is why we're having you on the show, 
But one of the most simple yet powerful things is that I got an email several days after installing the product. The CEO of a customer-centric company reaching out for personal feedback. That really made an impression on me. Appreciate that. Yeah, we get a lot of great feedback from our customers. You know, some good, some bad. But I think the important thing is really to get that feedback and, and to really engage our customers and really see how the product is working for them and to continue to improve our product. I've been in product development for more than 20 years now, and there's no perfect product. But when we get that feedback and when we continue to refine it, we could make the product as good as it can get and uh, make it work for our customers. We want to be a, a tech company that's a little bit different than just tech. It's really technology for families, and it's the people that make it work. So having that great feedback in our customer community, which um, is growing, is really great for, uh, for really making the whole system better. And it's got to work for the family. It's not just a, a piece of technology. It's more uh, people-centric. And part of the people-centric, I think when people say user-friendly, they just think, oh, it's easy. I'm not going to get confused. But part of the people-centric is that it has to speak to what the actual need is. And it has to speak exactly. to people's lifestyle. And so they want something that not only does things automatically, but considers that I might have a call that's more important than this movie, or I might mm -hmm. want to know if my neighbor is sapping off my Wi-Fi. There are just certain things that it really takes into account that I think is great. So yeah. having said what you just said about all the, the feedback and stuff, I'm, I'm curious what you can tell us about what's coming up for Griffin in 2021. Well, we had just launched a, a product called Griffin Homebound, and that's a companion app because we got a lot of feedback from, from people that uh, saying, well, Griffin protects all the devices that's connected to Griffin in the home. Uh, what happens when I go out? So you know, I can't manage my kids when they're on their mobile data. So Homebound is one of the companion apps that we developed that addresses that problem. So you can actually install Homebound on the mobile device on a Android or iPhone. And what Homebound does is it routes all the traffic back to Griffin. So it looks like as if they never left the network. So even if they're on Starbucks Wi-Fi or on mobile data, they're still on the Griffin network because the traffic gets routed back to Griffin before going back out. So it's almost and like a VPN? It is. Yeah, it's essentially in the back end, it is a VPN. So it creates a private tunnel back to the Griffin router at home. So that means it's all private and encrypted and, and all that mm -hmm. good stuff. Yeah. So there's several benefits. One is that for your kids, you could manage their devices and all the configuration that you set for your kids, like the filtering level and bedtime, all that stuff still works outside the home on their mobile devices. The other thing for us is if we travel, for example, if we travel to Hong Kong or to other countries, our traffic is, is encrypted back to Griffin. And uh, if you're using a hotspot in, in Starbucks, you're not worried about somebody hacking or tracking you on, on, in Starbucks and when you're on a public uh, Wi-Fi network. Because that's another big one. I think sometimes people are just so desperate that they take chances. I'm traveling, but I have to get this report out. So therefore, I'm just going to go on, oh, free airport. Sounds good. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of different things that could happen when you're on the public Wi-Fi, that you're just taking a chance that there's nobody there on that same network that's looking at all your stuff. So were there any other features that we didn't touch on? It seems like we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, as you know, Wi-Fi is evolving. So we have Wi-Fi 6 coming out as well. 
So all the same great features, except on a Wi-Fi 6 hardware. That's great. Well, John, thanks so much for coming on the show to talk with us about Griffin and Wi-Fi. No, thank you for having me. And now it's time for the gadget gift guide portion of the show. As with the last episode, this week's category of home office, automation, and security may not seem like ideal for the kinds of products you'd actually give as gifts, but we think we've found some pretty universally appealing devices that fit the bill. Let's start in the home office with a subcategory that clearly stands above the rest. Stands. Placing your gadget on a pedestal of sorts is a nice way to not only help you better organize your workspace, but also to better use your gadgets. A great example of this is Heckler's iPad Desk Stand. Rather than having your tablet laying flat on your desk, taking up valuable real estate, you can put it up not just on display, but as a display either a second or even your primary monitor, with wireless connections to a keyboard and so forth to complete the ensemble. A company called Obvious, spelled O-B-V-U-S, offers a laptop tower stand, part of their Minder office bundle designed to help your posture. It's sleek, sturdy, fully adjustable, and offers a great way... <clears throat> much better than using a cardboard box, to elevate your laptop for video calls, or just in general. I first learned about 12 South eight years ago, and I wrote up a great international charging adapter of theirs, and I've been a big fan ever since. Even though I admittedly don't consider myself an Apple guy, I just love how well designed their stuff is. Not just that it looks clean and stylish, but reflects how folks actually use their gadgets. In terms of stands, they have so many. Phone stands, vertical laptop stands, even a stand for your AirPod charging case. But I personally use, and highly recommend, their HiRISE Pro display stand. I'm using it with a Dell monitor, but it works with iMac all-in-one computers or any large display with a base that's less than nine and a quarter inches. It's amazing what a difference that few extra inches in elevation makes. It may be tough to tell from their site, but the unit has a back panel that slides up. Then you slide the thin metal shelf into one of the four horizontal slots, place your monitor onto the shelf, and slide down the back panel, which naturally has a slot for cords. The coolest part is that this creates additional storage. So you have the surface on top of the unit, and you can quickly pry off the magnetic front panel, which looks like wood on one side and steel on the other, which is a nice touch, and you have a decent amount of extra room inside for little knickknacks like cords, memory cards, earbuds, that sort of thing. A Florida company called Left Coast Original hand makes and engraves some great personalizable wooden charging stations. You choose the color of wood, configuration and brands of devices you're looking to charge, whether it's for wired or wireless charging, the color of the charging pads, and of course, the message or monogrammed initials you want engraved in the wood. Speaking of alternative materials and charging, Eggtronic makes a series of fabulous wireless charging stones. They look and feel like marble coasters, and they're heavy, which is to say they're actually made out of marble. You choose which of the five varieties you want, and then each product is unique because of natural variations in the stone. Most importantly, though, 
we can tell you from experience it actually does work well as a wireless charger. Combining form and function, the LumaCharge 2 is way more than a highly adjustable LED desk lamp. It digitally displays the date, time, and temperature on its neck and features an alarm. But it also packs a built-in wireless charging pad and a universal charging dock stand with connectors for every type of phone out there. You just rotate the little wheel to select the connector you want. So you can pretty much forget about needing charging cords. If your charging and multimedia needs are more extensive, Anchor has you totally covered with their PowerExpand 12-in-1 dock. This mighty 6-inch tall, 3-inch wide monster can help you transfer files from a card or drive, stream up to 4K video to dual monitors, route audio and internet, and power your laptop while recharging a couple of phones at the same time. It's pretty much the be-all end-all of desktop docks. With similar functionality, but a completely different, more flat form factor, Excel's driverless USB-C 4K docking station is great in the home office, classrooms, or when traveling. Anywhere you want to plug a phone, tablet, or laptop into monitors for display or presentation purposes. Great features packed into a small enough footprint that you can throw it into a travel bag or hide it fairly easily on your desktop. Okay, so let's talk about a couple of home automation gadgets. It might be weird if you bought someone a video doorbell or smart thermostat, but everyone has lights in their house, right? Well, lighting doesn't need to be just functional. It can be decorative and fun, too. Nanoleaf lets you create colorful mosaics on your wall by attaching and combining flat, triangle, square, and or hexagon-shaped light panels. While different shapes offer touch controls or the ability to work together, every version is controllable by voice via your preferred virtual assistant, can mirror the colors playing on your TV, and can sync to the beat of your music. An Italian company called Twinkly, known for their fancy apt-controlled Christmas-like clusters, just announced at the Consumer Electronics Show last month a new product called Flex, a colorful tube you can bend into whatever shape you want to add that extra oomph to your ambiance. But it's so new that it's not even mentioned on their website. One of the most flexible home automation devices we've seen is a smart button called Flick, F-L-I-C. These buttons can do so much that we've invited them to be a guest on a future podcast to discuss it more in depth. But basically, think of it like if you could take buttons off of a remote control that could do just about anything and then place them wherever you want around the house. You use the app to tell them to do specific things when you push, double push, or hold down each button, such as simply turning on a light, or music, or the TV, starting your morning coffee brewing, adjusting the temperature of the thermostat up or down, you can get really fancy and program routines, that is to say, multiple actions that the various button presses initiate. But the point is that you don't have to worry about a voice command being heard or having to pull out your phone and mess with various apps every time you want to do something. It's just a fun way to get started in the world of home automation. So let's see, home office, home automation, that leaves security. One cool product that jumps to mind is the Nui Cam 360. 
We're planning a full product review in the future, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. But as long as you're here, let's go over some of its features. The big selling point, as you guessed from its name, is that you can pan around almost all the way. Technically 355 degrees, but hey, why not round up? You can tilt it up or down 94 degrees, which means if you place this camera fairly centrally between all that twisting and turning, the high definition image, and up to 32 feet of night vision, you'll be able to keep an eye on pretty much everything from wherever you happen to be. The device is only 50 bucks. You just need to supply a memory card for storage on the device or pay a subscription for backing up to the cloud. But overall, it seems like a pretty simple, handy item to have around. And around and around. For more ideas about home office-y gadgets, be sure to look back at our Let There Be Light and Other Work From Home Essentials episode from November. Lots of good stuff in there as well. Thanks again to our guest, John Wu. It was cool to hear about new advances in staying protected while staying online, both home and away. Our big announcement this episode is that the Family CTO will be hosting a fantastic live Cocktail Hour Gadgets event on March 19th. So mark your calendars now and we'll give you more details about how to join in the fun as the event gets closer. In our next episode, we'll wrap up our five-part gift guide series by talking about the ever-popular category of audiovisual. TVs, cameras, speakers, it's going to be fun. Until then, remember, don't be left to your own devices. This podcast, copyrighted 2021, is the intellectual property of the family CTO, a division of the Gadget Concierge Incorporated, all rights reserved.